Hello, I'm Steve Corbin and welcome to Revelation Health, where we open your eyes to the often confusing world of health and health insurance. It is our goal to provide you with the information you need in a way that you can understand to give you the confidence to be a better advocate for you and your family. We're brought to you by the Kingdom Health Group, a nonprofit organization that provides tools and resources to educate individuals in being better healthcare consumers, all to avoid extensive medical debt. This is achieved through our free health insurance essentials workshops. So today's guest that I have here today is Adam Zebian um, with Helix Insurance Advisors. They're a new innovative fee-based firm that designs, builds, and maintains custom tailored health plans for employers. All right, so now that I got the formality out of the way, um, Adam, more importantly than anything else that I just said about him on the paper right there, is a friend, um, a very knowledgeable individual when it comes to the health insurance world, and probably of the few people I know, one of the only ones that have been in the business about as long as I have been. So um, welcome to the show, Adam. Thank you for um, having me. Appreciate you being here. Um, so over the last couple of weeks, guys, we've talked a lot about um, some of the things that are going on in the industry, in particular, um, consolidation of you know brokerage agencies, consolidation of hospitals, consolidation of um, health insurance companies. And ironically, two weeks after we released that last podcast, we were discussing that one of the local carriers here in Western Massachusetts, Health New England, um, their parent company, Bay State Health, um, just announced that they will be selling the insurance portion off to a, uh, a competitor that is out in the eastern part of the state called Point 32 Health. Um, and for those of you around here, you've probably seen their commercials. And basically what Point 32 Health is, is a newer organization that um, came about with the merger of Tufts Health Plan and, and Harvard Pilgrim. Um, so based on you know my last podcast, if you didn't get a chance to listen to that, um, that's kind of why I wanted to get together with Adam and, and today and really talk about um, what we see as being problematic with all these mergers. Um, I think that, from my opinion, it's, it's lack of choice on our end. Once this merger is complete, um, we as brokers in the under 50 marketplace will literally have two providers to quote for consumers. Um, and when you, when you limit the options, <laughs> I mean, what, what do you see after that? So, I mean, that said, I mean, I'm going to kick yep. it over to Adam because I know he's got some opinions regarding um, what, what this looks like and maybe some other yep. things that, that we're seeing in the market as well with Bay State. And so. likewise, thank you very much for having me. Steve, I have the utmost respect for you and your firm and certainly friendly competitors are always a good thing. So... Uh, yeah, we're seeing consolidation everywhere. We're seeing it within the healthcare space, whether you're providers' offices, whether you're primary care, we're seeing it in hospital networks. Um, certainly happens more prevalently in the West, Midwest, um, Central, uh, but we're also seeing it here, right? So with Health New England, um, <clears throat> being obviously a big player in the small business market here in Western Mass for what, 140 years or so. Um, it's just a quite interesting fact that like, you know, we see these things coming. We see they've sold off. Bay State Health has sold off even their labs um, in the recent uh, few months. And so with this acquisition happening and this merger, um, you know, it's always about what's next. And for me, the, the signals are, you know, what Bay State Health may or may not do. I don't know. I don't have any insider information, even though I have a spouse that works in the system. But um, certainly it's interesting that, you know, we don't have a lot of options anymore. We used to, when we first got in the business, there was 20, 30 different health providers, yeah. right, and health carriers. Um, and we've seen the, certainly the flux of the change in the cost of care and access to care. Um, and Bay State's going through some changes. Um, 
there's certainly uh, some physicians that they are trying to acquire. Um, there's become less and less um, supply for the demand. So, yeah, it's interesting. Like we've talked about in the past, I mean, it's when you when you start removing the choice. I mean, there's really no barrier to increase costing as as well. I mean, the 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 chips are stacked against the consumer for 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 the most part uh, when we start looking at you know what options are out there, um, and even just to the extent where some of the national players have have started to kind of come in. And we talk about nationals. I talk about groups like you know United, Cigna, Aetna, you know things sure. like that. And we started to see like uh, groups like Cigna, Cigna and United um, start peaking into the market in the small group. Um, and in the the level funded, Correct. you know, where they're where they're starting to look at that, um, but that's starting to be a little, um, even a little problematic on their part because we've talked about it before in the message in under the healthcare reform legislation they have um, what's called the MLR, the minimum loss ratio for health insurance carriers. Um, but as luck would have it, here in Massachusetts, that MLR is even higher than on the federal level, um, so that they end up starting to you know some of these national carriers they start to reassess i actually ran into an issue recently where um i was looking to quote united and they were just dragging their feet dragging their feet dragging their feet and then i reached out to somebody who wasn't actually involved in the quote you know somebody higher up that i know there and was just like hey what's what's going on and he's like well honestly steve he goes you know united's we're reassessing whether or not we're going to do small yeah. group business in massachusetts Correct. and i'm like all right, you know, so that's so I shouldn't yeah. expect a quote anytime, you know, forthcoming on that. Yeah, I mean, I think you know all the big carriers are now trying to get into that small market space. You know, years ago, you know, they wouldn't touch anything under fifty or even a hundred employee lives or subscribers in the market, and we're trying to see. And I do a lot of that level funded and self funded market space, and you know, it's really interesting. You have as a as a broker or a consultant, we have a little bit more work to do in order to get those proposals out the door and to be able to get it in front of a client. But sometimes the the wait is worth it. Um, but we certainly see in the fully insured market, we're seeing cost increases in premiums. Um, I don't see that decreasing ever. <laughs> and it just doesn't make sense. It, it's, it really has um, been an issue for a lot of small businesses to keep up with that inflation um, and the cost of health insurance premiums and um, there's not a lot of transparency in there. So a lot of employers are struggling and trying to figure out why, why is this happening? Well, everybody's in the same boat. Well, you don't have to be necessarily, but uh, for most employers that are in that under 50 market commercial pool, um, there aren't a lot of choices anymore, like you said, and you know, costs are going up, benefits are getting worse. You know, oh, a lot of employers yeah. have shifted to this, what what is considered the you know, consumer-driven marketplace or consumer-driven high-deductible health plans, which it's just a cost shift, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. At the end of the day, that's exposing employees to um, deductibles and out-of-pockets and co-insurance that they even don't really understand sometimes. And also, you know, if they do have an occurrence in the healthcare system or an experience in the healthcare system, whether that's imaging, whether that's labs, like some minor things of elective care like that, or even a major surgery, it's bankrupting people awesome. and it's putting people in a position where they can't afford their out-of-pocket exposure um, but they chose that plan because what's coming out of their paycheck is less right yeah you're paying less what's coming out of your paycheck and trying to save money but people aren't saving for that exposure right those hsa plans those hra qualified plans fsa funding um, unless your employer is funding those mechanisms 
uh, a lot of employees are struggling to keep up with those costs, and that's why we see the bankruptcy going up and up. And oh, absolutely. Up. Most and of those people have the health insurance. Yeah, on, on this podcast, we've said it we've a number, a number, number of times. The number one right. reason why people go bankrupt in this country is Correct. is medical costs, and that's that's tragic, if you ask me. I mean, that's in reading some of those statistics again. That's why. Um, you know, we, we founded the Kingdom Health Group to, to really get out there in front of people um, to the best yeah. that we can um, and educate them because that's really what it comes down to is, and I actually just read a, a statistic and I, I kind of, I, I do challenge a little bit of the numbers because I think the fact it was a little overstated on how many people understand their plans, but it was really, it was a 20, only 25% of all Americans actually understand how to utilize their health insurance. I firmly believe that number is lower. Just based, on, so. just based on just based on the yeah, based on the conversations that I have on a For daily sure. basis and open enrollment meetings talking about some basic stuff and people yeah. are like whoa didn't know that that's great you know but more importantly that the the lack of education the the lack of actual just understanding of of baseline health insurance knowledge and healthcare knowledge costs American citizens hard hard work in Americans over two hundred and eighty billion dollars a year yeah. That's $280 billion a year that could be avoided just by having some, just some baseline knowledge, Correct. you know? And that's, again, that's kind of why we try to bring this out here and have these conversations so we can kind of talk about things, maybe really just demystify it, you know? Cause it's, I, I sat down with uh, with the gentleman last night and we were kind of talking, a friend of mine, and I just started talking to him about certain things. And he's like, Steve, he goes, you know what? I would pay somebody to just do all that for me. Yeah. He's like, it's just so confusing, so convoluted. He goes, I would literally just pay somebody to do it all for me, you know? And I'm like, well, not everybody has your means to right. do that, you know? So, you know, and, and just continuing that consolidation, I mean, if you look at what's happened over the last decade, right, or even the last 15, 20 years, two decades, um, we've seen co consolidation with just the insurance carriers alone, yeah. right? So when you're looking at the national level, you, you've got four four big options, right? Sure. You have Blue Cross, Cigna, Aetna, United. Yeah. And they're all owned. If you they're, all, at, they're all owned by a all publicly owned, traded. Yeah, they own right? a pharmaceutical company. They own or they, the pharmaceutical yeah, company yeah. or vice versa. But exactly, right? they're owned by they it. They own the PBMs. Yep. They own the the market share and in their individual markets and whatnot. But when you look at their S and P ratings and you look at their returns and how they have beaten the S and P five hundred by exponential oh, over the last since ACA was passed. Of course. Um, how is consolidation? help the consumer employers and employees in the commercial market well unless you're unless you're a shareholder unless you're a shareholder yeah right. exactly but you that's know? their it may help your four it may help client. your 401k right. a little their bit client is yeah. is whoever's the stockholders absolutely right? and even though you're you may be part of a hospital that's part of a nonprofit, etc those hospitals and those systems are going through the same problems that insurance carriers are and they're always looking for profits they're always looking for ways to increase revenue and because of the way the health plans are structured, they're not getting the revenue streams or the reimbursement levels that they used to get. And so as they're fighting with insurance contracts to get those provider relations and getting those arrangements made, hospitals are looking for higher reimbursements. Insurance companies are trying to get money out of employers and employees. And so this consolidation is never good for the consumer, no. in my opinion, right? In any way, shape, or form, whether it's the PBMs, whether it's the pharmacy itself, whether it's the uh, insurance company, everybody needs to understand that that is not necessarily going to be, you know, from a scale of the numbers, so to speak, it's not going to help the consumer reduce costs in any way. Now, what they're trying to push is this whole quality metric that it's going to improve quality, better access to care, and better geographical reach, right? Yeah. Um, by consolidating all three of these. 
I've never seen Tufts premiums go down. I've never seen Harvard Pilgrims. No, we haven't yet. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've, they're going to see a, constant increases year after year. Yeah, you're, you're, so it's just a matter of managing the increases, yeah. right? So that's not a solution, yep. right? And when we talk about cost of care and what you're paying for health care, nobody knows until after care is consumed, right? So these consolidations that are happening, um, you would think because of the economies of scale that that would ultimately reduce costs or give better quality. That's never been the case. And the history of healthcare that I've been in the business in 25 years doesn't happen that way. So it's certainly an issue. Um, you know, obviously things have been changing at the, at Bay State at the hospital. Um, you know, post COVID, there's been a lot of issues, obviously with staff and, and some other issues. And I'm, I'm assuming that's major reason why they had to sell. Yeah, they sell that's off the a lot only of reasons. Things. Now, my, my guess is something's going to happen at Bay State with maybe an acquisition for them. Don't quote me on that, but I would say that that's most likely going to happen. In my history of seeing what's happened with other hospitals that have sold far, uh, primary care practices yeah. or even bought primary care practices and consolidation that way, um, you know, usually there's something else next coming, something bigger. Yeah, it was because it was interesting. That's why you know I wanted to kind of. You, I know you've been paying attention to it just yeah. as much as I have been, and it is one of those things where you just kind of sit back and you go, "All right, well, so they they announced." You know the the sale of you know Bay State Reference Labs to LabCorp. Correct. You know, all right, that unto itself is all right. You know, hey, just look at you yeah. know maybe it's not as profitable as they want it to be. I mean, and, and just go from there. And then all of a sudden, you know, then the, the health New England. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, those of us who are paying attention, I honestly, I mean, wasn't shocked at the sale of Health New England. I, I mean, yep. we knew in the industry that something was going to happen there. It's just been yeah. kind of, you know, reading the tea leaves over the last couple of years. You knew something was going to have to to happen with, with Health New England as far as the insurance arm of, of Bay State. Um, I was surprised at the timing myself. I don't know about you. I mean, to me, I mean, the timing and I thought I, I thought I saw this happening maybe a year or two from now. I, so. Yeah. Well, I even saw that or I even thought maybe it would have happened earlier with the relationship Health New England has with Optum yeah. and United, basically. So yeah. my thought was, you know, if Bay State is selling off those entities, you know, would an opt i would have thought a bigger conglomerate like optum or united would have stepped in yeah. rather than point 0.32 but i mean still point 0.32 is you know five times the size of what health new england oh is. sure absolutely it's you know or if not 10 times so um it doesn't surprise me but i i myself as a as a broker consultant i've been through these acquisitions on the broker side sure and we see the buying signs we see the warning signs um but they happen unexpectedly when you when you least expect it yeah um and being through those two acquisitions that I've been a part of, me personally, um, you know, there's there's always, with change, there's always friction. You yeah. Know, sometimes it's good for some people and sometimes it's bad for others. So whether or not, you know, layoffs and all those things are going to happen, that's yet to be determined. Yeah, and that's the other side of it, it too. It seems to that, be the case, but. You know, and from our perspective, I know from my perspective, <laughs> that's one of the areas that, that I don't think we actually talk a lot about when we have these conversations about the impact of it. You know, because we talk about the consumer impact. We talk about the the, the impact in the, in the landscape. But the reality is there, there's, there, we have friends that work for Health New England. Yeah. You know, and we saw it happen with with Tufts and Harvard Pilgrim with that merger. You know, we've been in the industry. We, I've been on the carrier side for you know I was on the carrier side for a good part of my life in this sure. in this industry. Um, so you make friends even just from a broker consultant in in your your interactions and your workings with folks in the insurance companies. You you develop friendships with them, and that's one of the things that I sit back and I really think about is um, what's going to happen to some of the people we know yeah. over there because I, there's that redundancy in the, especially in the sales and, and account happens. management. It's the redundancy. You know? 
relationships are everything. Yeah. I don't care what part of the business you're in or what, what side. Um, you know, the acquisitions that I've been a part of, there's there were massive layoffs day one Yeah. Um, when I was involved in the bank. And who would have thought our bank being a huge financial institution, even publicly traded, sure. we were still on the chopping block. Um, when the bank sold us to the insurance company that bought us, you know, they came in, cleaned the slate as far as payroll, probably cleaned about $2 million, I would say. Yeah. Uh, but that was a large acquisition. That was one of the largest acquisitions by one of the top five brokerages in the country. Yeah. Yep. And I think, you know, when you're smaller, when you're a family-owned business, let's say, and I get, I get, you know, people need an exit strategy, but at the same time, you know, there is some value to those family-owned businesses or those smaller insurance agencies, those more boutique agencies. They develop relationships with a client oh, and those members. When you become part of like a large brokerage, in my opinion, you become a number. It's about metrics. It's about value of revenue. And it's not so much, you know, what kind of performance can you bring to the table or what kind of um, results can you bring to the client? Because everybody thinks that just because you're part of a big brokerage and you have this national presence now that you have all these tools and resources, it doesn't mean squat. It doesn't mean anything. Great, you have those tools yeah. and resources, but how do you use them? And when you have an organization where you see a lot of, even though you're big business, you see a lot of turnover. And so those account managers, the brokers, they come and they go, and those relationships start to dwindle. Yeah. And it's hard to keep that relationship and that loyalty, right? I still think people are going to be loyal to, to Health New England, even though they sold. Oh, yeah. No, no. I mean, we're not really going to see. The other thing is, you're not going to see anything for a year, no. a year, a year and a half. I mean, it still needs Department of Insurance approval. But, I mean, there's got to be a, I but mean, they people don't. People like I mean, that yeah. Health New England brand, of right? Of course. People that were local small businesses, um, you know, when you were, before even the marketplace started, yeah. I mean, people were signing up as, you know, part of Health New England because Bay State owned those, those physicians owned that network and you felt like you were more you know, in tune with the community. Oh, yeah. right? oh, even going back to the days that, you know, where Health New England had like that open door policy. I mean, mm -hmm. as you as a consumer, if you had an issue, you could right. you could go into their office and sit down and talk to somebody. It wasn't always just an sure. 800 number talking to somebody. People love that local feel. That is the part that I think is, is missing. Because I'm a, I mean, I'm a big fan of having like local networks. Yeah. Right. That to have an access to a, a carrier because it, it, it fits a niche. It really does, especially out here where where we are geographically in the western part of Massachusetts, um, where, yeah, we do have access to some of the you know best hospitals in, in the world out in Boston. But no, those all come with a cost. And that's why you see higher premiums for the, you know, the, the larger networks that give access to that. Sure. I mean, for the for the majority of people. Health New England was a really, really good plan. So that's why, again, from yeah. for some of my, um, you know, some of my clients, we sit back and we're going, all right, what's it going to look like? Again, we I think we do have a two year window before anything because yeah. with the prior merger, you know, it was like two to three years before you saw anything. You know, I mean, from a pricing perspective, Health New England was very competitive. Absolutely, ninety five percent of the time. Yeah, right. Um, you know, most small businesses, as much as they wanted to have access to those Boston hospitals, unless you had a PPO or some yeah. kind of arrangement, but their local HMO was. I was second to none. It was all you would need. I mean, it's you all had, you would need. You would we need to go yeah. back to those days where yeah. you had, you know, primary care, and again, being kind of a cornerstone of any healthcare, preventative care, like having that relationship again. Oh, we lost. You see what's happening. We lost our way a little bit right. on that. Could you lost, look back? I physicians mean, have been. Think about killed. back. Even think about back in the eighties. 
you know and i go i mean yeah. i mean i'm not i mean i'm not that old but it's still you know <laughs> i'm saying i mean i mean i was a kid in the 80s but i mean just i, I just based on yeah. my knowledge i mean some of these home office hmos right yeah. now that was like your it now it would be demonized don't you yeah. mean i can't go all over the world for my health care but you would still get access to some of the right. best health care you had all your i mean you had all your doctors there right your primary care physician you knew you know, yeah. and I know I've told this story before, you know, and I'll, I'll kind of touch on it again because this is the state of, of where primary care is today. And it's not because we don't have good primary care physicians. It's because a lot of them are managed by larger, larger firms, they private equity, hospitals. They're they not, they're not on their own. They, and so my primary care physician, I've been out in Western Mass for 25 years and I've had the same exact primary care physician for 25 years. Right. That's, and day yeah, that's one, pretty rare. day one, when I started, he, he was his own practice. Right. Right. Then he consolidated with uh, another practice group, but they were still independent. Right. And then they were bought, bought out by Bay State. Yeah. And I want to say a year before COVID, I go into his office, you know, we we're having a good conversation and he sits down and he's just like, you know, he's like, Hey Steve, he goes, I gotta ask you permission. He goes, I gotta, um, I have an assistant, um, that's going to come in and she's going to take some notes and, and yeah exactly and, and do all this and i'm like oh that's great you know I, he goes i just need your permission because she's going to you know be in here while we're examining i'm like that's fine no big deal all right and he goes listen i don't want you to think this is so you can get better care it's so i can get get you out of here in 10 minutes and not 15. and i'm like i appreciate your honesty but he wasn't lying he doesn't because they're paid on volume of care and he's a you know he's a good guy and he really is he just yeah, right. in in his own words he's biding his time till he can retire because it's just he just doesn't love the system physicians hate the system yeah they hate their contracts yep. because their contracts and and we there's all types of national um there's there's tons of information about how doctors are being treated in the market and when you're not getting the reimbursement rates as a primary care physician. They can handle like 90% of all care, right? Um, their reimbursement levels were so low that they can't afford to stay in business. That's yeah. why you don't see the independents anymore. They've been bought up by the hospitals or private equity, yep. right? Um, and that consolidation has tied them basically to their contract where they have to see so many patients a day in order to get paid. Um, and that's why there's so much burnout. And the average person is not spending enough time with their doctor. We need to go back to that. We oh, need 100%. to go back to getting a relationship with your doctor, working with local facilities, independent facilities, if there are any. Um, we talk about, you know, there's the new wave of primary care is direct primary care. Where oh, you're DP, like yeah. Yeah, DPC. Yep. Um, there's a few here in Western Mass. There's some in Northern Connecticut, Central Connecticut, and they're, they're popping up everywhere. Oh, now. they are. And so we went from hundreds to now thousands across the country where you can actually get concierge level care They'll spend as much time with you as they need. And, you know, it's that doctor, you know, coming back to the home, yeah. coming back to the family. And the and downside, yeah. 24 7 access. Yeah. The downside right now is it's outside of, you know, that's but it's outside, outside of, the premise. It's outside right? of so it. Yeah. It's, so it's, it's not the standard. And it becomes, it becomes difficult. Right. And that's kind of some of the things that you and I preach in the, out right. in, in our, in the world, you know, is, is things like that, direct primary care. Uh, are things that we should have greater access to it should be and there's actually some stuff coming down the pike um with hsa legislation that Correct. i think is just amazing and i think Bananas. it's gonna be a game changer and what i want to do adam is just typically because I, I know you and i we can we can sit here this whole morning <laughs> and just could. have this conversation <laughs> so i'm going to invite you back i want you to come back i would love again, to come back all right because i love think it would be a, a great opportunity i think our listeners are, are going to get immense value from these conversations that you and i are going to have um, and I'd like to invite you back and um, just we'll continue our conversation.
would love to. Because um, I'm gonna I'm gonna put today's episode. We're gonna draw it to a close. Um, thank you so much. And I know, listen, you guys don't know, but I actually texted Adam at six o'clock this morning um, because I, will always I, I just I just had a, a, an epiphany <laughs> that I wanted to speak with him today. I wanted to have this conversation with him, um, and he graciously accepted um, on a moment's notice. And he's here filming with me, you know, three hours later. So I, I definitely appreciate your willingness to do this. Um, um, I appreciate your friendship, and I'm glad you're going to be willing to come back and we're going to really continue this conversation. Hi, man. Thanks, Steve. All right, guys, so just remember, in a world full of choices, choose kindness. Until next time, I'm Steve Corbin, and this is Revelation Health.